Amen. He's our living hope and uh, one of the key ways that He works in us is by speaking to us, pervading us with His Word. And so uh, we're going to do that now. We're going to listen to Him. I want to encourage you. Uh, there might be a few things happening in your house. You'll be encouraged if you can really lean into what God's saying to you tonight. So let's do our best job of that. Pastor John O'Harris is going to bring the Word for us tonight. He uh, pastors here in the uh, worship and also the youth setting. And so he can't hear you. But uh, I know that by, f- by faith, um, he, is, he is trusting that you are clapping wherever you are tonight. And so let's uh, welcome John as he comes to speak God's Word to us tonight. Thanks, Matt. Thank you, church. Um, it's so good to be connecting with you guys. Um, I hope you're doing well. I hope you're at home and feeling nice and comfortable. Um, we're missing not having um, everyone together at church, but um, we're hearing great stories of God blessing and and um, revealing Himself to people. And so be really encouraged in this season. Um, and um, it's an interesting season, isn't it, through isolation? Actually, through this this season, I've, um, I've been doing a little bit of um, reminiscence. I've been looking... Um, back into my my past a little bit and and back to when I was a child, back when I was five. I know, we're going deep. Um, But it was 1986, and I remember this really clearly, and it was a significant year um, because there was a comet that had come close to the earth and it was actually something that um, the news were all on about and this exciting opportunity because there was this comet called Halley's Comet that was coming past the earth and everyone was going to go out and view this. I've actually heard reports that some people could actually see it with their naked eye. Um, And so here we were in 1986, I was five years old. We were in Ipswich and I remember my parents waking us up in the middle of the night. They'd wake us up, um, put on our little dressing gowns. That's right, I wore a dressing gown and I was proud of it. And we went into the backyard and there the five of us stood staring at the sky. Um, And I remember dad brought out a pair of binoculars. Why he didn't bring out a telescope, I'm not sure why, but he'd gotten his hands on these binoculars and each one of the family members took a turn at at having a look for this comet. Um, It was a pretty exciting time and... um, but I remember when it came to my turn, it was like, little Johnny, it's your turn now. And, and dad sort of pointed it and, and showed me the direction of what I needed to do. Now, this was set up for failure um, for a couple of reasons. First one was, I was five, all right? And I was given this visualising or this viewing instrument that I did not have any idea how to use. I knew you look through it, but I didn't realise you could focus it. I didn't realise how it worked. You know, my dad gave me a basic exercise on it, but still, I, I really didn't understand the fullness of how to use it. And the other one was this. I had no idea what I was actually looking for. You know, I mean, they told me, they said, okay, you're going to look for a star that has a tail. I'm thinking, a tail, like... Is it short? Is it long? Is it fluffy? I have no idea. I was a five-year-old kid, um, but I was excited anyway. And I remember looking through these lenses and just searching and searching and searching. Like I could see all these white little dots and, but to me, all of them had tails. Like I'm thinking now in hindsight, maybe I had the thing completely out of focus, but I'm just looking. And, um, and I remember in the end, for my family's sake, just because we're in the middle of the night, I'm like, yeah, I, I can see it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's, that's cool. And I remember handing back the binoculars and thinking, I, I have no idea if I saw this thing or not. 
And, and I found out later on that mum, mum had mentioned that oh, what a significant moment this was because um, in, I can't remember, 70 or 80 years time, the comet's gonna return and, it, you know, I mean, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. I remember thinking, I, I have to wait that long to actually get a real clear idea of what I'm looking at. I did a bit of research, all right, and in 2061 um, is when Halley's Comet is meant to come back and uh, close enough for us to be able to see it. Some of you that are into this stuff might have more accurate details on that. But in my calculations, I worked out I will be 79, all right? And I don't know, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a good crack at seeing this. You know what I mean? I'm going to get Bree, my wife, to wake me up or maybe wheel me out, I'm not sure. And I'm, I'm gonna have a look, I don't know, my eyesight might be shot by then, but I wanna give this a really good crack. But what I realised is sight is such an interesting thing. Like one of the other things I, I remember when I was young was the fact about these books that came out. And I don't know if you remember this, if you're old enough, is the magic eye books. Do you remember these? There'll be a picture on the screen. Um, some of you have no idea what this is. But what happened was these books were all the rage. Look, we didn't have much to do back in those days, all right? These things were significant for us. And what it was, you can see, it was a, it's a picture with all these patterns and lines and colours. But the significant thing about this is if you didn't realise what it was, you would think you're just looking at this piece of artwork, but the fact is, if you stared hard enough into the chaos of this picture, what would take place is all of a sudden out of the page, this three-dimensional image would form. And I remember this. I remember this was the first time that I actually saw it. See, there was all these different techniques. Some people would say, go cross-eyed. Some people would say, put your nose to the page and slowly bring the book away and you'd see it. I, I can't remember. I just remember staring and staring. And someone told me, look, this is what you're looking for. You're looking for, I think it was like the Eiffel Tower or something. And I stared and stared. And I still remember distinctly this moment when this page in front of me of this pattern and these messy lines all of a sudden gave way to this beautiful, clear three-dimensional picture. And I just remember the, the awe that came over me, this, this thought of like, man, like this is amazing. And I had a bit of a think about this because some people could never get it, no matter how much they tried. And I was thinking there's probably two main reasons for that. And one was some people never see the image because they are so fixated on the, the picture that's right in front of them, the messy image that's in front of them. They can't get past that. No matter how much they look, they just see the lines and the colours and the patterns. And the other thing is this, if they, never, if they were never told what the image was or that there was actually an image, they would just be thinking they're staring at a piece of artwork. And... This is like our life or our spiritual life. I don't know if you've ever thought this, but the reality is that life can sometimes get very messy and it can get very confusing. And I don't know what you're facing either today or what you faced yesterday or what you're gonna face in the future, but what happens is, is the circumstances of life roll in or opposition confronts us or plans don't unfold how we expect, or things look different 
to what we thought they would. And you know what takes place is we become fearful or doubt sets in or stress. We have loss of courage. We begin to abandon our dreams and our passions. We withdraw, we begin to blame. Frustration and anger can set in. And I don't know what it is for you, but the list can go on and on. And particularly this takes place in our spiritual journey. You know, look, maybe God has called you out and you've faithfully gone or you've sacrificed everything you have to go and serve those people around you and to only be left being either criticised or broken or very confused with the set of circumstances that are before you. Maybe dreams or plans or purposes or passions that you had don't seem to be working out. And maybe they're even being sabotaged by someone around you. I I don't know what the picture is for you. But if, if we're not careful, we can quickly get derailed by the mess that's right in front of us. Or we can get fixated on the smouldering plans and we fail to see the amazing future and hope that God has for us. This amazing future and hope that we have in God. And it's sitting right in front of us. See, the thing is for myself, and I don't know if you experience this, but I have this amazing ability to keep going back to looking at life through a human viewpoint. And I see things from like my angle or I think through the way that I think things should work out. And tonight what my prayer is, is this, is that our eyes will be open to see our situation through the eyes of faith. I want, us, I want God to open our eyes that we see things through God's perspective. See, God doesn't want us to have a view, um, to view things through a human perspective or human wisdom or human experiences or a human mindset. He wants us to have eyes of faith. And, and this isn't a faith based on your efforts, but this is a faith in the one who is above all things. I want you to read this passage with me. We're gonna to go to 2 Kings chapter six and we're gonna start at verse eight. And so if you've got your, your Bible beside you or you've got one of your devices with you, um, pull them out because I always find this is a good time to take notes or underline things. But as you, you get that um, 2 Kings six up, it'll be on the screen as well. I wanna give you just a little bit of background. What happens is King Aram is um, at war against Israel, God's chosen people, the, the people God had chosen to reveal Himself through. Now, God used to use prophets or God used prophets. And the particular prophet God was using at this point was Elijah, not Elijah, Elijah. Now, Elijah mentored Elijah, but this was the prophet that God was using at this particular time. Now, Elijah was a man after God's heart. And he had a, a servant, a helper, someone that did the life of the journey with him. And so this is where we pick up in verse eight. It says, now when the king of Aram was at war with Israel, he would confer with his officers and say, we will mobilise our forces at such and such a place. I don't know what such and such a place is, but it sounds nice, I'll go there. But immediately Elijah, the man of God, would warn the king of Israel. 
and say, do not go near that place. For the Arameans are planning to mobilise their troops there. In other words, King of Israel, I don't know if you know it, but King Aram is getting his troops together in this position. And I want you to be aware of that. I'm just passing this information on to you. So what would happen is the, the King of Israel would send word to the place indicated by the man of God. And time and again, Elijah warned the king so that he would be on alert there. Verse 11, the king of Aram became very upset of this and he called his officers together and he demanded, which one of you is the traitor? Who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? It's not us, my Lord, the king. One of the officers replied, Elijah, the prophet in Israel, tells the king of Israel, even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Talk about Siri. Even, even the very words, king, that you were saying in your bedroom, Elijah hears and he passes this information on. Go and find out where he is, the king commanded, so I can send troops to seize him. And the report came back, said, Elijah, he's in Dotham. So one night the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. When the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning, so the, the servant that spent time with the prophet Elijah got up in the next morning and he went outside. There were troops, horses and chariots everywhere. And he cries out to Elijah, he says, Oh, sir, what will we do now? And Elijah says this, do not be afraid for there are more on our side than on theirs. There are more on our side than on theirs. Put yourself in this situation for a moment. I, I, don't, I don't know how you would handle this situation, but the servant gets out of bed, probably expecting a nice coffee, going out to this beautiful scenery in his city, but instead he wakes up and sees the full force of the very nation that they'd been trying to sidestep. And then Elijah says to him, he says, Elijah says, don't be afraid. It's like, I don't know, if, if I was a servant, I'd look at Elijah and be like, do you see what I'm seeing? You know what I mean? Like there is a vast army, like the full force of that nation is, is there, Elijah. And then Elijah goes on to say, but there's more on our side than theirs. So don't be afraid. I, I, could, I don't know. I, I just visualise him, him looking at Elijah and be like, it's only the two of us, Elijah. Like, look, there's them and then there's us. I don't know if you've been in this situation. Maybe not from an actual army, even though there's probably people from our church that has, has experienced this. But a situation where overnight everything changes or you become under such spiritual attack or I don't know, a boss accuses you or false lies are passed around about you or maybe you're having marriage troubles or relationship breaks down or you've had a significant loss. I don't know what it is. 
but I know that you feel completely surrounded. And I know that because I've felt that in my life many times. I want you to come with me to verse 17, because this is what Elijah prays. He says this, O Lord, open his eyes and let him see. In other words, God, open my servant's eyes to see the things that you see. To the Lord, open the young man's eyes. And when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. I want you to note this. I love what it says. It says, the hillsides around Elijah was filled with horses and chariots of fire. This tells me something about Elijah. See, the helper, he, he sees the army that's in front of him. But Elijah, he sees the angel armies of God's kingdom. See, notice the difference between this. Elijah obviously had a strong understanding of God and his faithfulness. Like I have no doubt he would have had his fair share of tough life experiences that probably broke him many a times. But in spite of all that, he'd come to understand that God was always in control. He knew that there was a war that was raging on in the spiritual realm. The Bible tells us that. But this seemed to be just another day in the life of trusting God in his faithful obedience to God and doing the things that God had called him to do. You know, I mean, like we could say that he was, his eyes were open, like spiritually his eyes were open. But the helper on the other hand could only see what was in front of him. Like he saw the present danger that laid right there. See, he could see with his eyes, but he was spiritually blind. He was consumed with that army that was there. But I, I, I don't know about you. I, I'd, I'd be right down this helpless avenue. That's exactly what I'd be like. Like, you know what I mean? Like if I got out of bed and saw that army, not just from a distance, but there, I don't know if I'd just faint or where I'd slip down into the fetal position and that's where I'd spend the rest of my life journey. I, I, I'd, hazard the day, I'd, I'd say that's what I'd do. But this isn't what God has called us to, is it? See, what God is saying is to, to us tonight, I believe as a people, as a church, is for there are more on our side, there is more on God's side than on theirs. In my kingdom, all things are possible. In other words, the cry of my heart tonight is this, God, open my eyes, open our eyes to see how you see things. Give us eyes of faith. Read with me in Romans 8, 31 to 39. This is in the New Testament. I'm reading this from the New Living Translation and it says this, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? 
verse 33 says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life. I love that. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is our inheritance as followers of Jesus, as followers of God. How things change when we allow God to see us, when we allow God to show us through His eyes. I think about that, we've just celebrated Easter. This, this beautiful moment where God comes and He sends His Son, Jesus, God in human form, who dies on a cross for us, for our, our sin, our failures, our turning away from God. And then doesn't just stay dead, but three days later raises again, rises again to show that, look, physical death, that's no issue to me. So I can deal with your spiritual death. And I love this because I want you to know that there is a God in heaven who is for you tonight. And He sees you tonight. And He will unfold His plans for your life. Even at this point in time, it looks impossible. See, today's message though, is not about your life going to plan just the way you want it, that every situation you experience will be like roses. All your dreams and plans will come to fruition. But instead, tonight's message is to remind us that there is so much more going on than our human perspectives can see. See, God's good and perfect purposes and plans for your life will never fail. They'll always be constant. They may not be the things that you thought, but God and His plans for you and the calling He has on your life, He's saying that it doesn't matter about the other things. I'm in control and my purposes for you will always succeed. I love what Louis Giglio says. If you, if you don't know Louis Giglio, he's a pastor in a, a very large church in the States, a godly man. Um, he actually um, uh, set up the, the Passion Conference where I think over 50,000 youth come from all around the States or around the world actually and converge in one of their major stadiums there. And 
It's just, if you ever get a chance to go on YouTube and, and look up Passion Conference, you'll see the power and the hunger of these people for God. And this is what Louis Giglio says. He says, if God would answer the prayer of today, which is to open our eyes and would allow us to see what, what's happening in the spiritual world around us and to open our eyes to the fact that He, meaning God, is on the scene and that His purposes cannot be thwarted, meaning destroyed in our life. If our eyes are opened and we see that today, it will produce and forge in us a defiant faith, the kind of faith that is anchored in the mighty God and radiates hope in the darkest night. He goes on to say, the world doesn't need a noonday faith or a I won the lottery faith or a we scored in the last three seconds faith. What the world wants, what the world needs is to see the illuminated confidence that when everything seems to have turned against us, we are still anchored in a faith in the Almighty God. He says this, that way we have a defiant faith, sorry, we have a defiant faith in the face of trouble and not a deflating faith in the face of trouble. I love this. Our life is to be anchored on the Creator and not on some constantly shifting idea and concept. I'm always filled with confidence because if you realise that tonight, if you're in relationship with God, if you've come to realise that Jesus died on a cross for you and you've handed your life back over to Him, well, I want you to know tonight, you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus. You know, the Bible says the same power that raised Christ from the dead actually dwells in you, dwells in me. The power of the Holy Spirit living within us. Doesn't that fill you with peace tonight? See, this is what takes place when we begin to understand this, when our eyes begin to open and we see things from God's perspective with an eyes of faith, not from a, a, a human perspective is this. This is what happens because when we stop looking at self, when we stop looking at the size of the enemy, when we stop looking at our own human experiences, we stop listening to what society says. We stop trying to figure things out in our own strength. We stop trying to fight it out in our own strength. And we begin to realise that God is our Creator he is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Alpha and the Omega, meaning the beginning in the end. And He is our Lord. Then we begin to understand it is God's battle and not ours. And the beautiful thing is that victory was won at the cross and in the resurrection and not in the successes while on this earth. See, see how things change completely, how you view situations when we understand this. What begins to take place is you begin to look past the enemy to the Almighty God. You know what I mean? Just like that magic eye book, you look straight past and you begin to see not from a two-dimensional page, but you begin to see the three-dimensional beauty of this image. You look past the enemy to the Almighty God. And you begin to realise that the enemy needs to pass through him before they can lay a hand on you. 
Look, you still have plans, but it's from a new advantage point. You know what I mean? You, you have sight to see that God has me and belief that God's promises and purposes will never be crushed. I, I want you to note this. And I think this is critical for us to understand. And I mentioned it before, but this passage and this message is not saying if you have God on your side, you'll never face opposition or you'll never experience loss or you'll never experience hard blows in life. That's not what this is saying. But what it is showing us is that God's plans for He has for you and the plans He has for your life to be part of His kingdom, resemptive plan, to love Him, to love others. The promises He has spoken in the Word will never be taken from you. An enemy can steal your life, your material things, but it can never steal the love He has for you and the promised glory that is yours in Christ Jesus. John 16, 33 says this, and I wanna read it out to you in the NIV. It says, I have told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He has overcome the world. See, the storms will continue to pop up throughout our life. But when we see things through God's eyes and not from a human perspective, we begin to establish a defiant faith. The storms rage, but the ship keeps sailing. Satan brings rugged terrain, but you just lock it into four wheel drive and you keep pushing forth with a confidence. Why? Because you've got it? No, but because God is in control. You know that there's a sense that, hey, you might see the army, but I see that we're surrounded by God. God is with us. I want you to remember this. Remember God's called you and saved you into a beautiful inheritance and placed a calling on your life. And this is a calling that so far outweighs a calling that a boss can ever give you or fame can ever give you or money can ever give you. See, God has called you into His kingdom through Jesus Christ. Remember His command, love God and love others. In other words, just fall in love with our Creator God and then go and love on people and show them that God loves them, that He longs to be in relationship with them. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna just love my enemies and I'm gonna tell them about my Saviour. An opposition might come up against you, but you go, it doesn't matter because I tell you what I have in God is so much greater. Even if the forces of an enemy come against me, I just know that God's plans will never fail. As, as I understood this calling inheritance more and more, I tell you what began to happen. I began to walk with a fresh confidence. The things of this world became secondary compared to what I had in Jesus. It's like, I just kept walking in faith. I still struggle with this. You know what I mean? I, I, I stumble all the time, but this is what began to take place is an, an enemy surrounds me. I now think, God, that's your battle. I get struck by an arrow of criticism. God, that's not who you say I am. God, I'm losing courage and strength. Well, the Bible says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. 
I get ridiculed because I believe that the ways of God give life, but that doesn't seem to make sense to other people's view. I say, well, God, you'll hold me firm. I lose a position or a job. God, though I am poor, I am rich in You. See, our feet are on a firm foundation. Our eyes have been opened to see that it's not what we see in front of us, but we look past to the Almighty God. It's a hope. It's a knowing that our God is for us. Our God is not against us. Our God journeys with us. why I always think it's such an important thing that the more we pour through our Bible and the more we learn about God's promises, we don't pour through the Bible out of guilt, out of duty, but it's in this Word of God that we learn who God is. He teaches us things. We learn about God's promises. And then as we allow the Spirit, the Holy Spirit to teach us to see things through His eyes of faith, You know what I mean? Instead of just looking and thinking, I don't know what I should believe in. We actually have a steady, firm idea, but it's in God and His promises. See, Elijah didn't have a great faith because it was a natural talent. He grew in in the promises of God. He knew that God was always in control. And so tonight, I wanna ask God to open our eyes afresh. I want God to stir something deep afresh in you and in me. God, will you open our eyes tonight? Will you help us to see things from your perspective? Lord, we don't wanna see the enemy that's on the hill, but we wanna look and see that Lord God, just as Elijah was, Lord, you surround us with horses and chariots of fire because our great God is the Almighty God. And so we're gonna do that. The band is gonna lead us in a song in just a moment. And we're gonna respond to that song. And I don't know what that looks like for you. Look, after reading this, if we were here as a church, I'd be getting this to a massive shout of praise and we'd just go into a time of worship and just pour out our hearts to God for His continued faithfulness, the fact that He has the victory, that we have victory in Jesus Christ, but we don't have that luxury. But maybe you can do that in your heart right now. I wanna read Psalm 27 to you and then we're gonna pray. Maybe you just wanna close your eyes at home. Maybe just settle yourself for a moment and just say, God, speak to me afresh. This is what Psalm 27 says. It's a Psalm of David, who is actually one of the kings of Israel. He says this, the Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? The Lord is my fortress, protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? When evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is this, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in His temple. For He will conceal me there when my troubles come. He will hide me in His sanctuary. He will place me out of the reach on a high rock. 
And then I will hold my head up high above my enemies who surround me. At His sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Come on, will you pray with me right now? Lord God, I just wanna thank You so much for Your faithfulness. Lord God, I wanna thank You so much that You're always in control because Lord, it doesn't take us long to look outside of our journey or look in our journey and realise, Father, things are here today and gone tomorrow, Lord. Lord, I wanna thank You that even on the cross, Father, You weren't put on that cross, but You allowed Yourself to be put on that cross. You say that in your word, you said the right time had come or the right time hadn't come previously, but then you said now is the time. And you did that because Lord God, you are always in control. And Lord, you wanted to die on a cross for us that we could have a relationship with you. Lord, I wanna pray for any person tonight who is going through a significant battle. Lord, and the fears raging and the anxieties raging and the doubts are raging, Lord. And I thank You that You understand that. But I just pray now that You'll open my eyes, You'll open the eyes of those people dealing with this immediate circumstance. Open our eyes as a church that we will see things from Your perspective, Lord God, that we may be changed forever. And Lord, we may be able to love You and love others like we never have before. And Lord, I wanna pray for any person tonight that has never given their life to You. Lord, I pray that this moment right now will be that moment where they say, God, thank You for Your Son, Jesus. Please forgive me for going my own way. I ask You to come into my life. I ask You to be Lord of my life. And now teach me how to live for You. And so now, Lord God, I pray You'll bless us and anoint us by Your Holy Spirit. Amen. Hey, we're going to sing um, and the team's going to lead us. Tonight, if you've for the first time given your life to Jesus or you've got something, a a moment of of, uh, something you want prayer for, you can do that. You can email prayer at bridgman.org.au or if you're uh, listening in through um, bridgman.live, there's a little button on there. You can press that says, um, I accepted Jesus. Or if you're not doing that, um, you can do that through Facebook or you can just email us at um, hello at bridgman.org.au. We'd love to get in contact with you. We'd love to do a journey with you. We'd love to answer your questions um, and do life with you. But come on, let's let's sing as a church now. Let's, let's give our praise to an almighty Thanks for joining with us for our service today. If you sense God speaking to you or you'd like to find out more, we want to help and encourage you on your journey of faith. You can reach out to us via our website or email hello at bridgman.org.au. And don't forget, if you have a prayer need, we'd love to pray for you. And you can fill in a prayer card on our website or email prayer at bridgman.org.au. I'm praying God's blessing for you this week and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.